Authority. I'm Art Regner. This is episode 34. Gives me great pleasure to uh, have as our guest one of my all-time favorites. I talk about him a lot, and when people sit, hear that, they say it's got to be Marty Lapointe, and it is. Marty Lapointe, the personnel director, player personnel for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Marty, thanks for doing this. Great to have you on. How you doing? Pretty good. Uh, glad to see you again. Yeah, it's 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 been too long. I want to go back to it. You, uh, until they drafted Michael Rasmus in the last draft, the Red Wings, you were always the last number one pick, top ten pick that the that the Red Wings had. Now there's a story that goes by that when you uh, were drafted, you were excited, and when you came to Red Wings training camp the first time, you might have been a little bit out of shape. Is that true? Uh, yes, uh, that was uh, that's correct. Uh, came came to shape, uh, came uh, 20 pounds overweight uh, my first training camp, and I remember uh, like it was yesterday that uh, Brian Murray called me in his office and uh, ripped me a new one, um, saying that you know um, now now you got all the money and uh, you think you're gonna uh, you know you think it's gonna be the you're gonna be playing for the Red Wings for sure, and uh, you're, you're, you're too confident, and uh, you you started eating and, and gained all that weight, and uh, he said, uh, "I'll I'll send you back to juniors, like you you you'll, as fast as I, I as I can." And uh, anyways, I he, he basically scared scared the hell out of me, and uh, went back uh, to juniors, and uh, the next year I came to came to camp and in pretty good shape, and uh, was like probably. Uh, top five in every ca categories, and uh, you know it was a uh, it was a lesson for me. And uh, I was a young kid that thought I had it made, and uh, you know as a first round pick, and uh, uh, it was uh, it was a good lesson at the end of the day. Well, now the story goes. I'm not saying this to embarrass you, but Brian Murray said, "What did you do? Like you know, eat and party with all your bonus money?" And you basically said yes. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I blew all my uh, card money. Uh, you know, uh, back then you had. Uh, you, you can sign a deal with uh, hockey cards and you know uh, it wasn't the kind of money that it is today but still it was uh, back then it was a lot of money and uh, you know bought, bought a new sports car and uh, uh, like I said you know I was uh, a little immature and uh, uh, partied a lot with my friends and uh, thought I had it made but you know Brian Murray uh, really uh, sat me down and put me on the right path after that well yeah another story that I always liked what you told me was about being injured and about the competition, which really gave me a, a really good understanding, especially a young player who's still trying to establish himself, what it means to be in the National Hockey League. You said that when you first got hurt, you kind of, you know, maybe fudged that you were better than you were, so you got into the lineup when you weren't healthy, only to get hurt again and stay out even longer. But I mean, it's, you know, there's tough lessons that you learn as you're coming up, is that right? Yeah, I mean, uh, you obviously want to play every game, you want to you know be part of the team you want to be part of the success of the team you want to contribute contribute uh, uh, as much as fast as you you uh, you can and uh, yeah I was hurt and uh, came back too early and got hurt more and, and uh, you know uh, was sat more time than I should have and uh, uh, it's just you know uh, I was immature and uh, like I said you you, you learn from, from your mistakes and now uh, you know, I think I think it helped me throughout my career. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I can remember one time I came up to you, and 
I said, well, Marty, you know, this this has got to be the year for you, right? This has got to be the year where, you know, you make the Red Wings and, and you're going to be, uh, you know, the, the, the number 10, you know, the number 10 draft pick, and it's really going to happen for you. Something to that effect. And you looked up and you you said, hey, man, I'm only 21 years old. <laughs> and, and I started laughing. And then Steve, Steve Eiserman came up to me and said, listen, you know, if you think the difference between us winning the Stanley Cup or not is Marty to the point being like a 50-goal scorer, he goes, he's just one cog of the team. Is that the thing that when you come to ju out of junior, regardless of the draft pick, is where you've got to figure out where you fit in to the team concept, not the individual star concept? Yeah, you're, you're exactly correct on that. I mean, uh, as a young guy coming out of junior, uh, you know, some guys, you know, can score. I, I scored close to 50, 50 goals in juniors. And, and uh, you know, thought that you know maybe my first year, or second year, even you know I could do the same at, at the national hockey league level. But um, understanding uh, where you fit is uh, within the team that you're drafted with is is, is a big part of it. And uh, for me, you know, I understood that. I looked, you know, I, I looked around the room, and they, they didn't really need you know 50 goal score anymore. Uh, they 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 had enough a score uh, in Stevie, Sergey, Kazi. I mean, you, you name it. I mean, we, we had a lot of goal-scoring guys, and, and uh, but the, the, the one the one area we were lacking, I thought, was like the, you know a little grit, a little energy, and and uh, guys that can you know bang a little bit and, and, and create space, create havoc in front of the net, and and uh, I, I decided to do that, change my role, and and um, you know I have no regrets of doing that, and uh, I think kids uh, should should take pride in that uh, more and. And make sure that they, they find a way and find their find their chair in in, in, in each and every team they're, they're with and, and finding a, a role that uh, I played 15 years uh, playing that kind of role so uh, I, I don't think it's a it's a bad career. You know you uh, you almost followed the legacy of the of the Bruce brothers a little bit Probert and Coaster. I mean it's a rough and tumble town and. People, but That's a different class than me, though. <laughs> no, 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 definitely. No, 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 that I know. Yeah. That I know. But you, you kind of fulfilled that role a little bit. I mean, you were that physical presence. Did you ever think you were going to fight Brendan Shanahan? Now? Well, uh, you know, I, first of all, I didn't, I didn't want to fight Brendan Shanahan. I, he was, uh, he's, he's in that class of the pro birds kosher, and you know, he, he's a tough, tough guy, and could score goals too. So he was like the ultimate power forward uh, at that time, and, and uh, you know. Uh, I, had, I had no choice in uh, one game. He was playing for St. Louis, and uh, Chris, you know, uh, was being a little rat. In, uh, Chris Draper. Chris Draper was being a little rat and running around, and, and Brendan didn't like that, and uh, went after Drapes. And I was uh, on the ice at the same time, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I might have to step in between those two. And uh, I did, and it was a big mistake. Uh, Brendan. Uh, Gave it to me a little bit, and uh, I, I really realized that uh, how strong he was back then. And uh, and uh, I got lucky; I didn't get hit with too many punches, but I felt his strength and uh, his toughness. You're you're not the tallest guy, but you're built. You know, you're a big guy. You know, barrel-chested, and you very you were strong in your own right, Marty. I mean, you really were. But when you fight someone who's that much taller than you in Shanahan, is there a strategy? Do you have a strategy on the ice, or is it just flailing away. Well, you know, I was young at the time too, and my strategy at the time, I wasn't a, a fighter coming through the juniors, and uh, 
uh, I was only fighting for my life there. Uh, I had no technique, skills, you know, fighting wise. I just, when I fought, it, it was just fighting for my life and, and try to overpower guys. And uh, I, as my career went on, I got better at it, but you know, it, it, it takes time. It's not an easy job, it's not, it's not fun, but the way I played, uh, it, it, I had to fight a few times and, and, and to create space for myself. And obviously, I, I was in a heavyweight, but I, the way I played brought some fights to, to uh, into my career, and you know, I, I, I had to do what I had to do. When you, uh, when you, did you ever talk to coaches about your role, or did Scotty ever bring you in, or did you know pretty much? To, because everybody's had every player that ever played for Scotty had a different relationship with him. You know, you each had your own individual. What was your relationship like with Scotty? Well, Scotty didn't didn't have, didn't really have to talk to me. Uh, just the way he used me, the way he. Um, um, he yelled at me at practices, and uh, not only me, but with a lot of guys that he knew to push the buttons with. Uh, he knew every single player, and um, he knew Draper, he knew Malpe, he knew McCarty, he knew me. And if he was hard with us, it's because he knew that we would respond. We would respond in games, and that's what I I, I figured it out. And uh, you know, become game time. You know, I I wanted to show that. I was better than that, and, and, and I want to prove to him that uh, I belong to this team. I can bring that energy that he wanted. So, um, Scotty was a master of doing that, and uh, you know he he probably never talked to Stevie, never talked to Sergey, took those guys different ways, and uh, managed those guys real well, and managed the the bottom six guys, you know, real well. And that's why they they he got the best of every player. That's why he, he was so successful in his career, in coaching, coaching career. And, you know, uh, I give credit to Scotty at the end of my career in, in Detroit. He didn't have to put me with Igor Larionov or Brandon Shannon, but he, uh, he, uh, he probably knew what I gave him all those years and he wanted to return the favor. And that's why I probably scored 27 goals because he, uh, he put me with those, in those situations, key situations for me to succeed. And I took advantage of it. And, and uh, at the end of the day, you know, when I when I left Detroit, with uh, a lot of uh, I, I, you know a lot of tears, um, right. I didn't want to leave. But uh, Kenny Allen t called me. He says, Marty, you got to do what's best for your family and and uh, and move on. And uh, that's why I moved. And I got I received a phone call from Scotty Bowman to to congratulate me uh, at my at my cottage uh, during the summer of that of that July 1st free agent uh, time. So. That was really uh, nice of him, and till, till this day, I, I respect I, I respect that man, and he made me who, who I was. So, really, I mean, that's a great story, really. I mean, because Scotty is, and I always tell people, they go, "What was he like?" Because you know, you read the Ken Dryden book or the game, or when he was younger and all that. But I said, well, maybe we in Detroit got him at the best time, where he was a little older, a little more, you know, sort of subdued. He was never completely subdued, but you know, I think that if he liked you or recognized something in you, he did more. More than go the extra mile for you. He would do whatever it would take to get the best out of you. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that's that's why I have so much respect for him. Um, like I said, you know, I mentioned before, he was a master of, of uh, pushing buttons with the right guys and getting the best out of, out of his players. And um, that's that's why I, I, I signed with Boston and I, I was able to take care of my family for the for the rest of my life. And uh, I, I'm really grateful for that. And um, 
you know, uh, like like you said, he uh, he recognized what I what I brought to the team, and and uh, he, he gave me that opportunity that I couldn't pass pass, and I I took advantage of it. Well, you know, I think a lot of Red Wing fans may not realize this, but in the old configuration of the locker room at Joe Louis Arena. Where Steve Eiserman sat, there was one stall next to his. That stall was occupied by Marty LaPointe, which we all thought before the free agency and all that, that you were in line to be the next Red Wings captain. Did you feel that way, and did you know that you were being groomed in that role? Well, I, I didn't know at the time. I mean, you know, obviously sitting beside Stevie, I... I, I I watched him a lot. I I, I I was like a sponge. Like as a young kid, I wanted to do what Stevie was doing. I was every time he tie, he puts his skates on. I was I was watching him, and and you know Stevie wasn't a big talker in the locker room. But when he talked, he he held meetings. There was no screaming involved, but everybody was listening to you know with really um, open ears and really uh, took whatever he said to to heart and. Uh, um, you know, I remember in '95 when we lost against Jersey, uh, coming down the, the stairs of the plane. You know, he says, "I'm I'm sick of losing," and that, that I I'll, I'll never forget. And the, the, the year after, we we came back and, and and we won the first cup, and it was the greatest feeling because because of this guy, because I knew what he went through, and you know, in the '80s yet some tough tough years, but in the '90s we we turned it around and. We got close in '95, but wasn't good enough. We lost in four, but um, in '96 and '97, but that was a totally different story. And uh, what a great accomplishment and uh, uh, some great memories. You know, you you were being groomed to be a captain here in Detroit. Unfortunately, it wasn't with the Red Wings; it was mm -hmm. with the Blackhawks. I mean, that that role of captain, though, that that's again for fans that don't understand. When you put that C on, that really does mean something. Yeah, it means something. Uh, obviously. Uh, with Detroit, you know, we, we had Stevie and, uh, you know, at the time I didn't know, like, uh, I was groomed to be that, but I, I took it, I took every, every bit of uh, information that I could and uh, down the, down, down the road in my career, it really helped me and, uh, and uh, that's why maybe with the Blackhawks I got the C and, and, uh, but regardless of the C or the A, you have to be a leader of, uh, of your own and, and, and you have to bring something to the team and that's what I try to do, you know, every year. Right, but you were part of a group of Adirondack Red Wings too. I mean, you, when, when you guys all came up, not that there wasn't a bond on the Red Wing team itself, but you guys really forged something and really solidified the team concept. Yeah, I mean, uh, in Adirondack we had some great teams and uh, I was fortunate enough to, to be part of a Calder Cup team and uh, with Barry Merrill's coaching and, uh, you know, uh, Tim Taylor was was part of that, and uh, a lot of a lot of other guys, and and uh, really really helped me throughout my career to to make it to the next step. Everybody says that March 26th game against Colorado, after they defeated it the year before in the playoffs with the whole Draper Lemieux thing, but that March 26th game of 1997 was when the Red Wings became not only a team but a Stanley Cup championship team. Do you agree with that? Uh, I think it has part part to it. Yes, uh, you know it, it brought uh, a lot of guys together. I mean, you know it was an unfortunate event that happened, but you know, it, it created a big rivalry with uh, the Avalanche after that. And you know, um, I would I would replay that that whole series again over and over because there's nothing better than a than a good rivalry. And you know, and there was there was hatred. 
there was actual hatred between the two teams, and it it, uh, it it was it was a great great rivalry afterwards. And you know, I uh, I would do it over and over again. Would you? How can you describe what it's like to be at the in those games? Because those that was the the old expression must see TV. Whether you were a hockey fan or not. Everybody tuned in when the Red Wings and the Avalanche played. What was it like playing in that? Thing? Yeah, I mean, if if you couldn't get up for for those games, you know, you uh, you you didn't belong in the game. Uh, uh, you know, the sport is uh, is is a great game. There's a lot of emotions involved, uh, night in, night out. But those those games against uh, the Avalanche, uh, it's it's tough to describe it. Uh, obviously, there's there's a lot of emotions involved and. It's tough to control your emotions uh, and, and and play uh, discipline when when you play in those kind of games. But you uh, you had to, and there, there was a time and place to do things, and and uh, we, we we did that at, at a proper time, and uh, it brought a lot of guys uh, together. We, we 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 became a really tight knit team, and um, you know uh, it was an unfortunate event that created that, but. You know, uh, you got to give credit to Chris Draper because he took the hit. <laughs> uh, another thing that happened in that season was acquiring Brendan Shanahan, which all of you fellas have said, CBU, that that was also a huge moment because it did give you, as you, you called him earlier, the, the, the power forward of his generation. Did that take a little of the physical pressure off of your game? Not that you changed your game, but you know that you knew that hey, I can because you can score some goals and you scored some big goals, especially against Washington in '98. You won, you know, the game, the the cup clinching goal. But did, did it did it help you that way where you could, you know, add more to your game? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's no question about it that the presence of uh, Brendan Shanahan in the lineup, uh, Detroit never really had one type, the, the, that type of player, and uh, to get a, a chance, an opportunity to, to have that kind of guy and that kind of guy that can score goals and and, and protect your, your your young players, and uh, he, obviously uh, he, he fought a lot before that in his younger career, but he still did it when he when he came here and. Uh, he brought a presence that we needed it, and uh, yes, it, it, it took some pressure off. You know, even the Darren McCarty's, uh, right. even myself, and and guys that uh, Darren, you know, played a, a, little, a little bit more uh, uh, and was was able to concentrate on, on you know putting the puck on the net too a little bit and uh, and help helped us and, you know uh, in that sec secondary scoring if if, if you want to say uh, so uh, he, he was a great addition and there's no doubt about it that he gave us he gave us uh, a lot more space out there and um, you know he, he, he was a great addition when he became your teammate did you call him Mr. Shanahan? <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, Shanny, you know, uh, Shanny was his nickname, and uh, you know he, he didn't want to be called Mr. Shanahan, but uh, you know he was my roommate. Uh, I had great respect for for Shanny, and he took care of me when uh, when I was uh, on the on, on the same team, and uh, he was he was a great lineman. Uh, I want to go back to winning the cup in 1997. The night you won it was a Saturday night. It was against obviously Philadelphia. Do you remember calling me on the radio? Not once, not twice, 
three, perhaps even four times. Well, I don't, I don't remember that I called you three, four times, but I, I remember calling you, that's for sure. I remember. Uh, I was in a limo, and uh, uh, I said, well, you know what? I don't do that often, but I was feeling pretty good that, that yeah, night. Yes, you were. <laughs> and I said, I got to call my buddy Art. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, that, has, that has still been a very much talked about incident because, let's just say it this way, you got happier and happier with each phone call, and then, and then you asked me. I wonder why. <laughs> and then I kept saying, you said, you know, the cup was heavier than I thought. And I said, you know, Marty, I heard that. How heavy is it? And then you proceeded to say, I don't give a bleep how bleep and heavy it is. We won it, which, which to me, was, it's like the highlight of my radio career. But talk about winning that. 97, 42-year drought. The town exploded. You have a million people in these parades. I mean, it was, it just had to be an extraordinary, besides the birth of, you know, your children and all those important family things, that has to stand right up there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I will never forget the first cup, first of all, because it's, uh, it was the, it was the day that it's the, the birthday of my of my wife. Uh, really? That day, yeah, June seventh. June seventh. So, yeah. so, and I remember till this day, she was wearing a baby blue dress. She was on the glass, and uh, I looked over. I said, you know, I gave her a thumbs up, and I, I said, "Happy birthday, honey! <laughs> I got you a Stanley Cup." So uh, I will never forget that moment. And uh, yes, it was a great moment for the city. Uh, we waited 42 years for that, and. Um, We've, uh, we've come together as a team and it was a great feeling. It, it's hard to describe once the game is over. It's, it's, it, it doesn't sink in right away that you won a Stanley Cup. You're, you're a Stanley Cup winner. But uh, a few days after, after a few cocktails and, and every, everything uh, sinks in. And it's, it's uh, the, the parade, that's when I think it sinks into uh, uh, with all the fans there. It was, uh, it was an unbelievable feeling and great memories. You know, you win it in 98 and obviously the limo accident. Uh, many of your fellow teammates that have, I've talked to about the 98 team says, we knew we were good enough to make the playoffs. We knew we were one of the better teams, if not the best team in the league. That 98 season was kind of a blur because we just wanted to get to the playoffs and win that Stanley Cup again. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we knew obviously that we could make the playoffs again and, and make a good run at it, but uh, to win it back to back, it's it's tough to do. And, uh, you know, what we had such a business-minded type of uh, mentality that year that uh, because of what happened in 95 and uh, because you never know what, what's going to happen in the finals, uh, it's a hockey game, every, anything can happen. In 95, you, you lost, we lost four straight and you might as well lose in the first round when that happens. I mean, uh, so uh, to win it back to back and uh, the way we did it, uh, I remember the team was really business minded and uh, there's no way we're going to lose that. And uh, we had that feeling that once, you know, it happened in, 90, in 97 that, hey, we, did, we, we didn't want to miss that feeling again. And that's why we won it again. And uh, it was, uh, you know, obviously it was uh, uh, on the road that time. So it was kind of di a little different, but uh, we uh, we still partied as hard as the, as the first one. <laughs> right, right. It, it handed a cup to Vladdy. Was, uh, it was obviously a memory that all you guys cherished. Right? Yeah, I mean, it was an unfortunate, you know, tragedy that, that what happened. and. I remember that you know uh, it was a week or for five days after we won that it happened. So I was like, I was home at 11 o'clock at night. And I was done. I was, uh, you know, I was 
partying was <laughs> took a toll on me. But uh, when I heard that that, fo that phone call was really, uh, uh, you know, I didn't know what to think, and it was like I, I didn't think it was it, it, it could happen. Uh, it, it would have been that bad, but it, it was. Uh, so um, we went all to the hospital, and uh, we couldn't see him in that night. But um, you know. It was, it was really unfortunate, but it, we, we rallied uh, behind him, and uh, uh, he was a he was a great inspiration for us. Right, for sure. and uh, you know now that move on, I guess. Uh, I want to jump around because I don't have you for a limited time, but we'll, we'll have you on again. I promise <laughs> you that. Uh, but um, let's go. When you, I remember the year we knew you were going to become an unrestricted free agent, I hounded you constantly about signing a contract with the Red Wings. Yet when that contract came from the Bruins, you knew, your wife knew, the Red Wings knew, as much as they didn't want to lose you and as much as you didn't want to leave, as you said earlier, it was a no-brainer. You just had to go. Yeah, I mean, there was, there was too, too much uh, of a difference, and uh, Kenny understood that. And obviously, I got overpaid. You, you, you get paid for what you've done, uh, which is... That's that's the nature of the business, but uh, you know there was that one time that I could take care of my family and and, and be settled, and and uh, I did it. it. But it was tough. Let me tell you, I I talked to Kenny and I, I, I made sure that I was making the right decision because I didn't want to, you know, I had a lot of good memories with Detroit and I didn't want to leave. Uh, that was the last thing I wanted to do. But for my for the sake of the family, I mean, I I need I, I I needed to do it and Kenny told me to do it. So I was I was when I once I made up my mind, I was I was fine with it. But there was some tears, you know, uh, on the phone with Kenny and. That's, life goes on. Right, well, I, I, when you came back as a Bruin, I don't know if it was a preseason uh, game or not. It was weird. I remember us going into the room just as, after the game to say hello to you, and I think everybody was like tearing up just to see <laughs> you, just to see you again, and not see you in the red and white was really kind of odd. Yeah, I mean, uh, my first my first shift, you know, I I thought I was standing on the wrong side of the, the, the red line. Uh, because I started the game, I think, and that was the weirdest feeling that I, I'll always remember. I'm like, it doesn't feel right, you know. It doesn't feel right that I'm uh, I'm on the, that side of the red line, and those guys are still there. So, but you know, uh, as the season goes along, you you get used to it, and uh, uh, because it's not easy to go to another team, you have to you know uh, make other relationships, and uh, it's a new teammates, new town, new city, uh, kids kids are in school. Uh, it's a total different uh, uh, new uh, new life, so it's uh, you, you gotta adjust. And uh, hockey players are are made to adjust. If you can't adjust, well, you're in the wrong business. I know. Real quickly, this third period is about to start here. Um, director of player personnel for the Montreal Canadiens. One of the craziest guys around, Mark Bergevin. At least when he's a player, you know, the general manager. What exactly is your job? Because I would thought I thought you would be based in Montreal, but actually you live in Illinois. Yeah, I live in Chicago. I have to travel anyways. I don't have to be based in Montreal. Uh, I got to do some scouting on the pro side. Uh, obviously, do more scouting on the West because usually you trade with the Western teams uh, first and uh, some free agency too. So, and I do. I touch you also on the amateur side. Uh, the first two rounds so uh, and I go to Europe to, to do the main tournaments over there too so so uh, 
I guess you like it. I mean, there's a lot of you fellas. I mean, Stevie Eiserman's here tonight. He's sitting right next to you. Are you surprised that all of you are still actively part of this game? Well, I think it's uh, it's uh, it's part of us. I mean, uh, obviously, hockey is a big part of uh, of our lives, and uh, that's all we know. And uh, we're fortunate enough to, to to still be in the game. And and uh, I love watching games. Uh, like I said, that's that's what I, I I did for a living. And now I'm on the other side of the spectrum and on the management side. But it's uh, it's uh, it's been a good uh, good run um, as a player. But hopefully I'll have a better run uh, as, as in management. You know, you're a great family man, great wife, Tanya, you know, she's a beautiful woman. Uh, but your sons, I mean, Gio is here today, your eldest, who's now a student at the University of Michigan, whom, you know, I mean, I remember him as a very little boy. Yep. And you have another son, and I don't want to diss all your children or anything, yep. but you have a son who committed to play hockey. Is it Philippe? Is Philippe, yeah. Philippe, uh, Philippe is, uh, he plays in the USHL right now for Lincoln, Nebraska. It's his first year. He'll probably play two years in the USHL, and he got a commitment to play in Michigan uh, in in two years. So from now, so it's a it's a great uh, great opportunity for him. Uh, and, and the commitment happened uh, on Father's Day, so couldn't ask for a better gift for my son. <laughs> right, and you're here not only to scout, but your daughter is in a tournament here. Uh, my 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 little guy, my 11 year old oh, guy. Okay, uh, okay. He plays Pee Wee, so he had a, a tournament in Hazel Park. So that's why I'm I'm here watching him and. Uh, Watch uh, the Red Wings play too. So your daughter just came then, right? She, oh yeah, she, she she wouldn't miss it. She she likes to hang around and uh, she she's been part of, you know, uh, the my son's hockey uh, youth uh, small small careers and they she, she loves hockey so. All right, Marty. I know the period's starting. The Red Wings aren't doing too well right now, <laughs> but, but uh, I I just want to thank you for doing this. You didn't have to. I really appreciate it and I truly mean it. I mean, out of all the people, I've met a lot of people. You are one of the better and most genuine people I've ever met. Continued success. Thanks. Oh, thanks, I appreciate it.